Part two, chapters nineteen and twenty of Bessie's Fortune by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nineteen, what Gray and Jack did. They did everything that it was possible for two men to do under the circumstances. They filled the old house with flowers until it seemed like one great garden of bloom and the coffin they ordered would hardly have shamed a duke while the undertaker had orders to send bessie only a very small part of the real cost of the funeral the rest they were to pay between them though jack at first insisted upon paying the whole but in this gray overruled him and they agreed to share the expense equally nothing could be kinder or more deferential than their demeanour toward bessie who wholly overcome with grief and fatigue lay perfectly quiet in her room and let them do what they liked she was so weary and worn and it was so good to be cared for but on the day of the funeral she roused herself and insisted upon going to the grave and seeing her father buried so with gray and jack on either side she walked through the yew-shaded garden to the small enclosure which was the family burying-place and was so full of the macphersons that after archie's grave there was only room for one more between him and the wall and both gray and jack noticed this as they stood there and wondered if it would be bessie or daisy who some day would be brought here and laid in her last bed not bessie gray thought and there arose before him a beautiful spot far over the sea where the headstones gleamed white in the sunlight and the grass was like velvet to the touch and flowers were blooming in gay parterres and the birds were singing all day long over mount auburn's dead and not bessie jack thought as he too remembered a quiet spot away to the north of england where the tall monuments bore the name of trevelyan and where his race were buried the services over at the grave they went back to the house and in the evening gray said good-bye for on the morrow he was due at liverpool to meet his aunt lucy who was coming abroad to spend a year with him in travel i shall see you again before i go to america and if possible will bring my aunt lucy with me he said to her when at parting he stood a few moments with her small thin hand in his while he spoke a few words to her of him who can heal all pain and cure the sorest heart sorrow because he has felt it all gray's piety which was genuine did not so often manifest itself in words as in deeds but he felt constrained to speak to bessie whose tears fell like rain as she listened to him and who felt when he was gone a greater sense of loneliness than before even though jack was left to her jack who tried so hard to soothe her and who was tender and thoughtful as a brother and gave no sign to her of the volcano raging within him when he thought of the honourable john and neil neither of whom sent a word to the stricken girl waiting so anxiously for news from them but he wrote to them both to the honourable john he said dear sir mr gray gerald and myself saw your nephew buried decently as you suggested but there is no bill to send you as miss bessie would not allow it i am sorry you did not find it convenient to come to the funeral the presence of some one of her family would have been such a comfort to miss bessie who in that respect was quite alone though i may say that hundreds of people attended the funeral and had the deceased been the eldest son of an earl instead of your nephew more respect could not have been paid to him i must leave here to-morrow for trevelyan castle and then miss bessie will be quite alone but i dare say you and lady jane will soon arrive to take charge of her respectfully jack trevelyan that will settle him jack thought and taking a fresh sheet he commenced a letter to neil which ran as follows stoneleigh july blank old boy where in the name of wonder are you that you neither come nor write nor answer telegrams nor pay any more attention to your cousin bessie than if she were not your cousin and you had never been pretty far gone in regard to her and afraid a chap like me would look at her 
don't you know her mother is on the sea going to america sick as a horse i hope as she ought to be and that her father is dead and buried and not a soul of her kin here to comfort her but she was not deserted i assure you and i call it a dispensation of providence which sent grey gerald here the night before mr macpherson died and a second dispensation which sent me here the day after i never pitied any one in my life as i did the little tired-out girl who stood between gerald and myself at the grave and now the day after the funeral she is white as a piece of paper and seems as limp and exhausted as if all the muscle were gone from her poor little bessie foolish bessie too to make the moan she does for some of her relatives to be here for you old chap for i heard her say oh if neil were here by jove if i'd had you by the nape of the neck i'd have shaken you into shoestrings for i know well what you are at saying soft speeches to blanche as if that were not settled long ago but no matter bessie will not need attention from her relatives much longer if i can have my way i do not mind telling you that i intend to make her lady trevelyan if she will be that but meantime your mother ought to take her in charge and not leave her here alone the thing is impossible and i have no idea that butterfly of a daisy will come back at once i shall not ask bessie now to be my wife but in a week or two i shall do so and will then report success i think gerald is hard hit too but i mean to get the start of him i need not tell you that notwithstanding i am so disgusted with you i shall be glad to see you at trevelyan castle whenever you choose to come i cannot get accustomed to my change of fortune and i am so sorry poor hal is dead yours truly jack the next day jack left stoneley as it was necessary for him to be at the castle he said alluding for the first time to his new home yes bessie replied looking up at him with the first smile he had seen upon her face since her father died you are sir jack now i had scarcely thought of it before or remembered to give you your title don't remember it now he said with a look of deep pain in his eyes and a tremor in his voice believe me i'd give worlds to bring poor hal back to life again and you do not know what anguish i endured during the few months i held him in my arms and knew that he was dying just an instant before and he had bandied some light jest with me and i had thought how handsome he was with that bright winning smile which death froze so soon upon his lips it was awful and the castle seems to be so gloomy without him is that young girl there still bessie asked and he replied yes flossie meredith the sweetest prettiest little wild irish girl you ever saw but she cannot stay you know why not bessie asked and he replied mrs grundy will not let her live there alone with me hal was her cousin but i am no kin to her and so she must go back to ireland which she hates unless bessie he cried impulsively then checked himself as he saw the startled look in her eyes and added quite calmly you and flossie would be the best of friends and would suit each other exactly you are so quiet she's so wild and frolicsome let me bring her to see you this summer i am sure i should be so glad if you would bessie said and then jack went away promising to write her from london whither he was first going and in a few days his letter came saying he had learned that neil had gone to moscow with a party and so his silence and absence were explained i wrote him a savage letter he said and shall have to apologize for it when i see him i dare say you will hear from him ere long remember i am coming again to stoneley very soon always your friend jack trevelyan bessie's heart beat rapidly as she read this letter and comprehended its meaning 
but she was true to neil and waited patiently for the letter she knew was sure to come as soon as he heard of her trouble two weeks went by and then one lovely july day jack came again and sitting with her on the bench in the garden where her father once sat and made love to daisy he told her first of his home with its wide-spreading pastures its lovely views its terraces and banks of flowers and of irish flossie who cried so hard because she must give up this home and go back to her old house by the wild irish sea with only a cross grandmother for company and so bessie he said i have come to ask you to be my wife and make both flossie and myself the happiest people in england it is too soon after your father's death to speak of love and marriage perhaps but under the circumstances i trust you will forgive me and believe it is no hasty step with me i think i have loved you since the day i first saw you in the park and looked into your bright face the fairest and truest i ever saw flossie is beautiful and sweet and good and makes one think of a playful kitten which you wish to capture and caress a while and then release before you get a spit and scratch but you bessie are my ideal of a woman and i could make you so happy think what it would be to have no care or thought for the morrow to do nothing but rest and you need it so much you are so tired and worn and up there among the hills you would grow strong and i would surround you with every comfort and make you a very queen will you come bessie will you be my wife and when i ask you to share my home i do not mean to exclude your mother she shall be welcome there for your sake and we will try to make her so happy that she will stay with us or live here if she chooses and give up her wandering life dear bessie answer me can you not like me a little as he talked bessie had covered her face with her hands and he could see the great tears dropping through her fingers don't cry darling he said winding his arm around her and trying to draw her to him don't cry but answer me don't you like me a little yes a great deal but not that way i think you one of the noblest best of men and always have thought so since i first knew you and you were so kind to father and me but i cannot be your wife oh bessie don't say that jack cried with such bitter pain in his voice that bessie looked quickly up at him and asked wonderingly do you then care so much for me care for you he exclaimed never man cared for or loved another better than i love and care for you i have staked my all upon you i cannot give you up trevelyan castle will have no charm for me if you are not its mistress i want you there we need you there flossie and i ah i had forgotten this and taking a letter from his pocket he handed it to bessie saying it's from flossie she knew of my errand here and wished to send a message i do not know what she has written but read it please she may be more successful than i have been opening the letter which was written in a bold dashing schoolgirl hand bessie read as follows trevelyan castle july blank dear darling bessie i must call you that though i have never seen you but i have heard so much of you from sir jack that i feel as if i knew you and very soon i hope to see you face to face for you are coming here as lady jack and so save me from that horrid poky place on the irish coast where i can never be happy never i do so want to stay at the castle but madame propriety says it would not be proper i hate proper things don't you and i do love the castle such a grand old place with lovely views from every window acres of green sward smooth as satin 
with shade trees here and there and banks and borders and beds of flowers and from the room i have selected as your sitting-room you can see a broad grassy avenue nearly a mile long with the branches of the trees which skirt it meeting overhead every day i gallop down that avenue which they call by my name on midnight my black horse and i always clear the gate at a bound i like such things and there is not a fence or a ditch in the neighbourhood which i cannot take hoydenish do you call me well perhaps i am but i am a pretty nice girl too and i love you and want you to come here at once and be happy sir jack has told me how different your life has been from mine and how tired and worn you are but here you shall never know weariness again your life shall be one long rest in the loveliest place you ever saw and we will all care for you so tenderly and bring the roses back to the dear face sir jack says is now so pale i am seventeen and not a mere child though i am not much larger than your thumb and i can be your companion and friend if you will only come you must love sir jack you cannot help loving him when you know how good he is why if i tried real hard i could love him myself but he looks upon me as a child though he does not play with and tease me as cousin harry did poor hal there is such a pain in my heart when i think of him so strong and full of fun in the morning and then dead before noon oh hal hal my tears are falling fast for him and i am so lonely without him come to me bessie and you shall never have a more devoted friend than little florence meredith there were tears in bessie's eyes when she finished this letter which told her something of the warm loving nature of the impulsive irish flossie whom she knew she could love so much while the perfect rest promised her at trevelyan castle looked so very pleasant to her and she was so tired oh so tired in mind and body that it seemed to her she could gladly lie down in some quiet spot and die if only thus she could rest and jack had offered her rest and happiness and luxury with him but she must not take it must not consider it for a moment she was promised to kneel she would be true to kneel even though he neither wrote nor came she had loved him always and tired as she was she was ready to take up life's work again and battle and toil for him if need be and when jack said to her you will be my wife bessie she answered him sadly no i cannot i might learn to love you in time if i could forget the past forget that i love another and promise to another love another promise to another not grey gerald jack exclaimed and bessie answered him no not mr gerald he never thought of me that way it surely cannot be wrong to tell you now though i am pledged to secrecy for a while i told father just before he died i am plighted to my cousin neil and we are only waiting for him to find something to do or his mother to be reconciled to me to be married plighted to neil to neil macpherson you jack exclaimed and for a moment his cheek grew pale and then flushed with resentment as he thought of this fair young girl being thus sacrificed to one who he knew was not worthy of her jack was fond of neil in a certain way but he knew him thoroughly and knew that supreme selfishness was his ruling principle and that bessie's life with him would be quite as hard as it had been with her father besides this he could not reconcile this engagement with the fact that he knew neil to be very attentive to blanche trevelyan to whom current rumour said he was certainly engaged hence his astonishment which bessie was quick to detect for she answered him a little proudly yes i 
do you think it so very strange that neil should have chosen me no bessie he replied but strange that you should have chosen him i cannot help it bessie and i do not mean to be disloyal to neil when i say that he will not make you happy and further that you will never marry him i am sure of it and knowing that he only stands in my way i can still hope for the future and when you are free remember i shall come again good-bye bessie and forgive me if i have wounded you in my bitter disappointment i spoke out what i thought i must go now and with a heavy heart flossie will be so disappointed too he had risen as he spoke and offered her his hand which she took and lifting her eyes full of tears to his face she said i have faith in neil if i had not i believe i should die he cannot help his mother's pride and opposition to our marriage he is true to me through all and he will come to me as soon as he knows of my trouble i am sorry for you mr trevelyan if you really care for me but you will get over that feeling and be again my friend i do not wish to lose you i have so few friends oh so few i am sorry too for flossie and interested in her mr trevelyan why don't you marry flossie yourself and so keep her at the castle i marry flossie that child jack exclaimed staring blankly at bessie who smiled faintly and said she is seventeen i am eighteen and yet you sought me yes i know jack rejoined but there is a vast difference between you and flossie she is so small and she seems so young i did not suppose she was seventeen i have always looked upon her as a mere child to pet and not as a woman to marry then look upon her in that light now bessie said but jack only shook his head as he replied i have loved you bessie i shall never love another farewell and god bless you stooping over her he kissed her forehead and then walked rapidly away with her question occasionally ringing in his ears and stirring new and strange thoughts in his heart where the pain was still so heavy why don't you marry flossie twenty what the macphersons did they did just as little as they could at least that portion of the family which was at vichy when the news of archie's death was received there this portion comprised the honourable john and lady jane for neil had already started for moscow with blanche and a few other young people how very inconvenient that he should die just now when we are so far from wales it is quite impossible for you to undertake the long journey in this hot weather and what good could you do if you were there you could not pretend to be sorry and we are not able to do much for the girl neil's trip will take all our spare cash lady jane said as she read the telegram received from jack and that decided her better half at once if lady jane said he could not go he could not but something of his better nature prompted him to say that he would pay for the funeral expenses this however he kept from his wife who dismissing stoneley from her mind resumed her daily routine of duties baths at seven music in the park at eight breakfast at ten gossip till one sleeping till three driving at four dressing for dinner dining at six and going to the casino in the evening this was her life while the honourable john bathed and smoked and read the newspapers and called it all a confounded bore and wished himself at home and thought not unfrequently of stoneley and what was to become of bessie meantime neil was enjoying himself immensely his mother had given him plenty of money and his companions and surroundings were most agreeable to him and still he never for a moment swerved in his heart from bessie 
that is he never harboured the thought that she should not one day be his wife and he still hugged the delusion that he preferred poverty with her to riches with any other woman in all the world but until the time arrived when he must take her and poverty he surely might enjoy himself and he was doing so to the best of his ability when jack's letter came informing him of archie's death and of his intention to make bessie his wife if she would have him then neil roused himself and telling his party what had happened said he must start for stoneleigh at once mr macpherson was dead and his cousin bessie was alone and it was his duty to go to her and in spite of blanche's entreaties and his friend's protestations against it he started immediately and travelling day and night reached only on the afternoon of the day of jack's departure with a cry of glad surprise bessie threw herself into his arms and wept as she had not done since her father died oh neil she sobbed i am so glad i have wanted you so much and been so wretched because you neither wrote nor came but i did write you darling before i left vichy and the letter must have gone astray he said and then the moment i got jack's letter i started and came to you don't cry bessie it hurts me to see you feel so badly try and be quiet and tell me all about it and what grey gerald and jack did and said they were both here i understand and both in love with you neil spoke a little sharply now and bessie looked inquiringly at him as drawing her to a seat he sat down beside her and with his arm around her and her head upon his breast he went on jack wrote me all about it that he believed grey pretty far gone but that he should get the start and ask you to be lady trevelyan and i believe he will do it too and if he does i hope he will put him down effectually but don't for heaven's sake tell him of our engagement that must be our secret a while longer i cannot meet mother's disapproval just yet do you believe that horrid old aunt in america wrote asking me to come out there and oversee the hands in a cotton mill niggers i dare say as i believe they are mostly that in massachusetts are they not bessie did not reply to this but said to him quietly mr trevelyan asked me to be his wife here this morning and i told him no and that i was plighted to you oh bessie how could you have been so indiscreet now the news must reach mother and my life will be a burden to me neil exclaimed with so much severity in his tone that bessie shrank a little from him as she replied i had to tell him neil there was no other way to make him believe i meant it he was so much in earnest he will not repeat it he has too much honour in his nature for that he is one of the best and noblest men i ever knew bessie was very in earnest in her defence of jack and neil grew angry at once maybe you prefer him to me he said by jove i do not blame you if it is so you'd better be lady trevelyan with plenty of money than plain mrs neil macpherson not knowing where the next meal is to come from say the word and i will set you free though it breaks my heart to do it no wonder if bessie felt that neil's presence was productive of more pain than pleasure or if for a moment she felt keenly the contrast between his manner and jack's but neil's mood soon changed and winding his arm around her and kissing her fondly he called himself a brute and a savage to wound her so and talked of their future when he could always be with her and worked himself up to the point of proposing marriage at once a private marriage of course which must be kept secret for an indefinite length of time during which she would live at stoneleigh and he would visit her often but bessie shrank from this proposal and when neil asked what she was to do there alone she answered that she could do very well until her mother came and then they would manage somehow on the little there was left and if nothing better offered she could go out as a governess to small children but this plan neil repudiated with scorn 
his wife must never be a governess never earn her own bread the idea was preposterous and then he talked of the bright future before them if they waited patiently and how happy he would make her and in the morning he left her and went back to london and she was alone again and looking anxiously forward to news from her mother and the day after neil left a letter came from daisy with the blackest and deepest of borders and bessie opened it eagerly to learn where she was and when she was coming home End of chapters nineteen and twenty